Guy told me one time, don't let yourself get attached to anything. You are not willing to walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you feel the heat around the corner. Now, if you're around me and you got to move when I move, how do you expect to keep a, a marriage? Well, that's an interesting point. What are you, a monk? I have a woman. What do you tell her? I tell her I'm a salesman. So then if you spot me coming around that corner, you're just gonna walk out on this woman? Not say goodbye? That's the discipline. That's pretty vacant, though. Yeah, it is what it is. It's that or we both better go do something else, pal. I don't know how to do anything else. Neither do I. I don't much want to either. Neither do I. Welcome to another edition of Michael L. Craver presents a beautiful Friday afternoon, August the 4th. It is 3.17 p.m. As I always like to keep a candle lit during the podcast. I got a bunch of these. Um, I looked at Amazon. I looked at some other options. These are... I think these are mainstays uh, with 30-hour? I believe they're 30-hour lives. So I went on there and bought a handful of different ones that were... This is strawberry dandelion, but I'm pretty sure some of the other ones have mango variations, vanilla, whatever. I bought about six or seven just so I could have different ones to sit beside the bed, sit on the kitchen counter, sit uh, in my office, and uh, keep that going. While the podcast is going, keep my office nice and aromatic. Anyway, I hope everyone has had a wonderful week. I'm, you know, I didn't have a theme for this podcast whatsoever. Usually, that comes when I'm writing the description after the fact. And uh, I had said to a couple of different folks and to myself, I said, "I am finally going to do it." I'm really because I just, you know, described this show as being the one where I'm going to share. You know, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to let it all hang out. Recording the podcast, I've been telling myself what I was going to do, where I, you know, essentially like share too much or, you know, here, judge me and take it or leave it kind of thing. I'm at a point in my life where I'm making some very um, complicated decisions. And so it's it's going to be an interesting fall for sure i'm professionally in a situation where you know i've already i've accumulated a a handful of promotions in the last uh the job offer i got three years ago was nice and work remotely and i watched a heck of a lot of hockey and and other things working from home i built a gigantic television and music collection that i enjoyed while i was home and from there, I was promoted into a you know a couple of other positions that have become more and more either hardworking and lucrative that way, or more advantageous um, in more recent times. And, and so I'm having some soul searching about whether things uh, are at a 
mm, where does the balance of power lie from from here going forward? I give you a, a, the parallel in my, uh, in my the side of my life that is more like a you're a human being who has hobbies and interests and maybe you collect things or otherwise right you have these eccentric avenues that you like to pref- uh, I guess pursue in a way that maybe you're a handbag person you like handbags you like artwork you love to collect Pokemons on Pokemon Go whatever it is you do whether it's fantasy land whether it's because you play a game and you just you know you love to just keep playing chess in the park all the time one chess set's all you're ever going to need right you just need a partner or you might be a person who collects books or something of that nature and so you continue to amass this um, stockpile of things and in my life and part of it I think is just how I was raised and you know, the visual that comes back to my mind is my grandfather's closet, which was not a very big closet, but on the side of his kitchen, if you open the storage door, he had, uh, got to get that Dr. Pepper in. He had, you know, where he'd been somewhere and he'd amassed, you know, paper towels when they were on sale or something else. It wasn't a, a, a very, very large amount. It was, you know, what would be considered a, a pack now at, at these uh, wholesale or value stores at a large warehouse, Costco, a Sam's Club, uh, and there's a variety of these other names across the country. But to buy one of these, you know, 32 rolls of Charmin or whatever he had, right? And so I think of that whenever I'm making purchases nowadays. And so many people love the bulk stores, and they go to places and they, oh my goodness, I didn't know I could get 16 pounds of bacon. Oh, what are you going to do with that? Right? And I was looking the other night because I was <laughs> I was like, hey, look, there's a tool I don't own. Yeah, but what am I going to do with that? Right? I, I don't do any furniture building currently. But it, it, it's an interesting addition to your toolbox. It is if you ever use it. It's like these uh, where I've amassed this collection of wrestling belts. I decided I would get one. And then it was three. <laughs> Now it's like 12 or 15, whatever I bought. It's the wild times. But I reached a point where I said, don't need any more. Don't need any more. I know that there's a stopping point for for about everything I do, uh, especially when it requires physical space or they become uh, very expensive. It's not the wrong word. But, you know, cost prohibitive is a term that should be on the tip of anyone's tongue who is happy to indulge in uh, a hobby that costs money. So at some point, things, hopefully, um, are a discretionary decision. And you go, hey, I've got enough. I did enough. My collection's complete. I'm very happy, etc. But sometimes you run up against that other term where it's cost prohibitive. To continue doing whatever you're doing. And some of that is because you really love going to concerts, but now they charge crazy prices. You just can't go the way you used to when it was general admission for $10. I get that too, right? Sometimes, you know, people just really love that they can be out in the world and they can collect things from thrift stores or a Goodwill or something, a Facebook marketplace, a flea market, where they can pay less to get a, um, a larger quantity of things, uh, and I don't necessarily mean the same things, not stockpiling, but to go out and go, oh my goodness, you know what, I really love books, and I can buy them by the pound, or, you know, X number of books, hardbacks, or a dollar, or whatever it might be, 
and to compare the amass uh, this you know library that you could build of old books uh, at lower prices. I mean, people just they they discard things, and there's so much uh, of what's in the world that is no longer wanted, and it's just thrown over to the side. A lot of people are treated this way, like they're they're thrown overboard at a job, in a relationship, or otherwise. You know, they they got enough employees. We got enough hours on the schedule. We're going to have to start cutting some back. And they feed somebody to the sharks and throw somebody out the window and and so forth. You pick your description of the situation. But, you know, the result is the same. Somebody's not able to earn a living quite the same. Their lifestyle has to change. You have to seek another job, whatever that might be. I think it's interesting that people are out there and they're looking at um, different ways, you know, to always pay less. And in the old days, that was coupons and groupons and and all these wonderful little you know value programs. Um, and of course, there's, there's a lot of stores that had you know Kmart Blue Light Special and, and Walmart. The prices are always falling. All these marketing things. Uh, there's a lot of clubs you can join if you're, you know, maybe you're a movie person. You like, you just join the, uh, I don't want to go to a lot of different ones, but AMC theaters where I just saw the Indiana Jones movie. They want you to join the AMC club and you, you know, you can buy the ice cream or I'm sorry, you buy the big bucket to get uh, the popcorn and I was trying to think what other benefits they had. I think you. I don't think it had any seating preferences or anything like that. It would seem you would save on tickets, but I don't. I don't have you know their discount program memorized. I know that I looked at it on the screen and I thought, hmm, maybe I should go to the movies more often. I always enjoyed this as a, you know when I was a younger kid. We went for church camp, for daycare, for. Family outings. We enjoyed the movies. I one of my favorite things, my favorite memories of being young, was watching the Looney 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 Bugs Bunny movie on the the big screen and Bugs Bunny versus the Roadrunner. He's you know Yosemite Sam is taking on the the lions in the uh, the Gladiator days or a lot of those. Movies, especially the one with the Roadrunner, is, is the Roadrunner versus Wiley Coyote out there in the desert with the big rocks and the big scenes and all that silliness that goes on, but on a gigantic theater wall. Oh, it's so great, so much fun, you know. It makes me wonder if that's not, you know, the some of the inspiration or, or some sort of whether it's subconscious or not. It, it has something to do with our love or, or maybe even the developer's affinity for the content of the folks that are on Jackass because they, you know, just embrace that kind of wacky cartoon, evil can evil kind of lifestyle. We're young. We saw, you know, Tom and Jerry and Foghorn, Leghorn, and all those things. So I... I wonder sometimes about these activities that we have because, like for myself, I I bought 
<coughs> excuse me. Um, it seems like I bought some red Nikes off eBay, then blue. But I ended up buying a, a bunch of pairs, and I don't think I could remember them if I sat here and tried to. But off the top of my head, I bought uh, some red, some blue, some yellow, red Transformers, um, red and black, and the front and fronts, red and the back of the black, or one or the other. Um, I bought several Adidas pair that were, there was some turquoise soccer, some, are they called Samoa soccer? Something of that nature. There's two of those. There's a Nike soccer. There was some... Green Adidas, some decorative Adidas that may have like some flowers or something on them, and, and something else. Anyway, I, I didn't pay him any more than like sixteen or twenty bucks for any one of those pairs of shoes, and so uh, though I got them all at the same time, it's that's kind of how I do things in my life. I don't sit down and go, you know, I'm going to build a shoe collection over the next nine months. I'll look for a few weeks, if if that long, I'll collect some things there. I'll decide that's enough or too many and now i got all the shoes i need like forever it's just one of the i think of it exactly like forrest gump i've said that on this program i think of it exactly like forrest gump got the letter in the mail from apple lieutenant dan invested us in some fruit company you know and then we ain't got to worry about money no more you know one less thing and I'm thinking to myself, that's exactly how I look at it. Now I don't have to buy shoes anymore. I've got a couple of pairs of Hey Dudes. I've got several Skechers for, for work and other related purposes. I think I have some Dockers that are nice Sunday shoes and uh, some Merrells, uh, which my mother insisted on getting for me. And I, they're nicer than things I would have bought for myself. Um, maybe the most expensive shoes I have are those Project Rock shoes, which are not by much. They might be 119 or thirty dollars or something that I got as a Christmas gift. But I I enjoy tying up loose ends in my life. So, you know, I bought and collected all the wrestling belts I would want. When I was I'm a New York Rangers fan, right? So I have a, a suede, a leather, Owen Breaker, a Clima True or whatever the technology is from, from Oasis from uh from Oasis. I wish I wish we had some Oasis. Uh, from Adidas, um, I'm fairly sure I have a couple of Jeff Hamilton jackets from the Rangers, which are those, you know, Letterman, almost NASCAR kind of jackets, and then a couple of different hoodies that are pullovers, some are embroidered, some are the Adidas dry fit technology, something of that nature, uh, you know, I just enjoy having different options. Now, with climate change and the rise in temperatures, I have not enjoyed uh, owning a bunch of long sleeve stuff that I can't wear. I know that. I collected all that stuff, and then the weather changed. It's like I own, you know, several different kinds of leather jackets. I didn't pay a lot of money for any of them. I got them from people off-season. Like, now is a great time to buy and Eddie Bauer Journeyman or, or <clears throat> Wilson's Leather, those are the ones I prefer, uh, leather jackets, right? And because people are giving them up. It's the summertime. It may never get cold enough to wear them again, and that's a gamble for the buyer, really. You may not get a chance to wear that jacket the way you think you're going to. 
you know. And then people give me stuff, you know, every now and then you you you, you fall into, oh, it's Christmas, so and so buys you a hoodie or or something. So, um, you know, you, and, and you're not gonna turn that down from mom or grandma or whoever, you know. It's just nice that they thought of you, you know. So you want to maybe wear that when you go somewhere that they are. I, you know, I've got however many dress shirts, not a ton, but just 15 or 20 in there. It's enough dress shirts for the rest of my life. I'll treat myself like I'm youthful and, and whatever. I was just reading an article about biological age being different from what year is on your birth certificate. And that it's this uh, biometric deal that the Mayo Clinic is looking at biological age where they pull some of your DNA and run it against a lot of other groups of folks that they have records of throughout the world and they may look at it and say well you know you, you know you biologically are functioning like somebody who is this many years older or younger and that's you know something for you to take into consideration to try to you know take care of yourself if you're on the end of the spectrum where you know it looks like you're biologically significantly older than you are for the years you've spent on the earth and if not you know you might be on the younger side of things so we know hey this guy's taking care of himself he may potentially live a lot longer than somebody else who was born around the same time as him and so you know i think about things like that as an interesting conversation piece and you know, for somebody to come up with a scientific way that, that kind of creates a discussion around, you know, whether or not that's true uh, is interesting to people because, you know, you sometimes wonder like, hey, this guy just, he doesn't, he doesn't look as old as, we graduated high school together, he hasn't aged a day, you know, she ain't aged a year. And then some people, they look like a leather suitcase that got left out in the rain for 10 years. So it's it's a different way to have a conversation piece wrestling fans are used to this sports fans are used to this that's right my favorite pitcher would have struck out your favorite hitter your favorite home run guy would have hit the best pitcher and you know 10 home runs off of him it would, you know, one is in your fantasy argumentatively better than the other um, that can be true with anything else that you could say my way of life my uh, longevity is you know, this method is significantly better than yours. I'm going to live longer. I, you know, have a better work-life balance. I, for whatever reason, measure something that I think I'm doing a better job of than you are. And so I may look at it and go, that's right. You know, maybe you know a person. They're always watching the shopping channel. They're always looking at new shoes every season. When they go to the mall, they got to go by the shoe store. You don't know, catch me in the shoe store. I got two pairs of sandals and whatever else I need. What what am I missing? That I don't have a pair of cowboy boots? Believe me, I've. If I wanted to have one, I'd buy some. They've crossed my mind, and I've very much made peace with things uh, in almost every aspect of my life to, to be or even stay the way that they are. Part of what I look at for decision-making, whether it's, you know, how to spend my money or 
It's got a lot to do with company I keep. Has to do with people's habits. You know, are they ever going to be satisfied? There's something to be said about people who stay hungry. And I mean that for recreational and for you know, professional purposes. Oh, you know, so-and-so. He's always chasing that dollar. He's always got a irons in the fire. Always got some kind of project and uh, passion and next thing on the horizon. Okay. But is he finishing the last one? Because there's those people. They're on that stage, and they put... This is a, a, a sort of an outdated act, but maybe you've seen it. The guy um, who... Uh, coconut rum is kind of strong today. The guy who will um, take saucers, take plates, and spin them on top of... Like a wooden dowel, take a wooden stick. All right, and I'm gonna take a plate and I'm gonna spin it on top of this thing, and it's gonna stay up there spinning. I'm, and he keeps and he tries to keep it from spinning. Maybe a basketball, maybe he's juggling. But you understand the concept. He's got so many things going at once. And part of the mystery and the curiosity of the audience is how many things can he? simultaneously manage and keep it going how many can he add before disaster happens yeah that's what we're looking at eventually he adds too many too many things are going he can't be in two places at once and he's he's running in circles or he's trying to juggle and he's, you know he just doesn't have enough hands he can't throw it high enough in the juggling circle to add one more object in. So he's reached his maximum capacity. And that's true with technology as well. Your computer, your phone, your otherwise has so much RAM, so much memory. And then, you know, they try to ask you to... <laughs> they want you to buy extra storage, what they want, you know. But I'm talking about processing power. I'm specifically referring to how much you can handle in terms of your your thought process, your stress level, et cetera, et cetera, where, you know, there's so many fires that you need to put out. Um, but if you, like, are you comfortable you have one kid, two or three? Would you be comfortable with seven? Why not? Well, you know, it's a lot to handle. Maybe it, your budget won't handle juggling that many things. You might be a one car kind of person. You might not. You might be a zero exotic cars kind of person. Maybe you do very well for yourself. So you got a car and a truck and a jeep and an ATV and a four wheeler and a, making a boat payment. And, But you can't be on all of them at the same time. It's like with me, I own, you know, don't get me wrong, 41. 
So uh, a part of what I do, you know, is look at, you know, my energy level, my ability to handle these various things simultaneously. Well, I only got two hands. Yeah, so why do I have eight pairs of gloves? <laughs> you know, there's leather gloves in my glove box to drive with, just for aesthetic purposes. There must be seven or eight different kinds of work clothes, and some of them are, you know, they have the padding on the back of the fingers so you don't smash your hands. Some of them are leather for this kind of work. Other ones are just general yard gloves or landscaping gloves. And uh, I have my favorites that I've worn um, for different jobs over the last uh, probably 10, 12 years. The ones that are dipped in, uh, I guess they're called rubber dipped or something, but it's the, they have a gray look to them. I think they're Blue Hawk or something label, but they're they're gray um, for most of the outside of the glove, like what you see on the back of your hands. But the palm and all the fingers are blue where they're like dipped in rubber. And so they have a tremendous grip. Uh, not strength, but they do good for traction. And, you know, if you go to grab something, it's going to, it's going to pull. If you reach out, stretch one of your fingers to try to put it on something and pull it back towards you, that one finger will do it with those gloves on because of the traction of that rubber, as opposed to you using like your just your hand without a glove at all. Your skin will just rub off of something if you try to pull it with one finger. I don't know why I have all the gloves beyond me. I guess, you know. When when one fails, I'll have another one. I do everything I can when I start getting holes in something to just to fix it or wear it till it wears all the way out. <laughs> or you know, <laughs> I may never use all them gloves. I may, I may not. I just that's that's how it will be. I'll have extras, and when somebody's working with me at some point, one of my sons or something, I'll say, hey. Go get you some gloves out of the box over there. And, and keep them when you're done. For God's sakes, take them with you. Because I'm reaching that point in my life where even professionally, like, I, I earn a decent living. And I put money into retirement, but I also make sure that I make, you know, charitable donations here and there. And I don't ask them for a receipt or any of that crap for my taxes or something like that. Somebody may look at that or hear that out there and go, oh, you're leaving money on the table, man. You can write that stuff off. And I don't care. I just keep the money, if that was the thing. I feel like making a charitable donation and then asking for um, a receipt is a lot like when you hand someone a gift and you keep staring at them until they say thank you or acknowledge you or otherwise. It's like you did it for you. You might have inconvenienced yourself to relocate that money into their hands, but you paid for their acknowledgement. I almost bullied them into it in some certain, you know, situations or um, some circles. Sorry, I, I try to mix two words together often. 
They're circulations. <laughs> I just, I feel so obtuse about so many of these things because on one hand, I hardly even use gloves anymore. I wear a lot of the same shoes. And I, I'm sorry. I wear the same pair of shoes most of the time. So that I went out of my way to collect a certain, whatever the number of pairs are. I wear these, um, not even the Nikes or the, the Adidas ones that I, I got so many of, different variations of. I wear the Asics more than anything because for whatever reason, when I, I wore them on like a long day where I had a lot, a lot of steps on the pedometer and they held up. So I, I wear them on any day that is a, a test. And the few days that I don't wear them, I, I couldn't tell you why. Maybe I just don't like to wear them one day after another. I rotate them. You know, I, how do I get rid of all this, you know, these ranger pieces of merchandise or apparel or whatever they're hanging around? Um, typically, I'll, I'll wear them during the hockey games or something of that nature so that they get some time uh, to be used and not just sitting in a closet in storage. Now, the books that I accumulate... That's like artwork. It goes on a shelf, and it don't even. I don't even open most of the books that I buy. I just purchased um, oh four titles. They were very big, either hardback or leather bound books. I bought a holy Bible that was uh, it was is. I bet that thing's every bit of three inches thick. It's leather bound, and you know it has it. It's a it's one of those like it would sit on a podium, sit on a podium in a movie where you flip through it and you could see it with the camera and read the text very easily because it's a it's a it's a big book. Um, there's the the book of etiquette. I bought that. That was interesting. It's a big book. This is this sitting there. Uh, God, I don't even remember what the other two are. One of them is the original illustrated works of uh, our Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. I think I got that just because it might make a good gift for somebody. And I couldn't tell you what the other one is. Um, maybe something to do with business. But, you know, most books that I buy go on a shelf or I, I end up, you know, giving them away to somebody as a gift. I write an inscription in, in them or sometimes I'll put like five or six books together and... um and I'll, I'll say, here you go, got some, here's some books. Oh, th thank you, you know, and I, you know, my father likes to read books, so I get him Robert Parker, or I think he's had and, or experienced almost all the Louis L'Amour books, so I don't even indulge in uh, looking at those as gifts. Robert Parker um, wrote Appaloosa, and so I had collected so many of his other books um, from the Hitch and Cole novels or other westerns, uh, Tom Clancy and Robert Ludlum. Uh, Ludlum did the um, Born Identities and, and so many other of those espionage type, you know, Department of Defense kind of novels and stuff. So 
you know, I'll I'll collect those things when I see them, and, and I'll give them to my father or somebody who I know loves those things. And that's, I mean, that's how I spend part of my downtime. What do I genuinely collect and, and spend my time on? Um, recently, it's been uh, watching a lot of old episodes of Matlock with uh, with Andy Griffith. Don Knotts is in many of these season five episodes, who is the old the actor who played Barney Fife. So he's a his old sidekick from Mayberry and the Andy Griffith Show. Um, the new season of Beavis and Butthead, which is from Paramount. I've <laughs> that's wild stuff. <laughs> they were they were wrestling and fighting each other and putting each other through the living room kitchen table that was never there before. Just little. It was just interesting. It's very. for lack of a more obnoxious word. It's very animated. Beavis and Butthead. Michael says it's very animated. It is animated. Um, but I quite enjoyed the variety of envelope-pushing things that they still do in those episodes in 2023. And Dave Chappelle has, has had that undying spirit like Mike Judge has where he's going to continue to have the traditional sense of comedy. And if thick-skinned people like it and they enjoy it and they react to it, then he's got an audience who pays. And, it, and the younger folks who don't react very well and they're not going to, to so to speak, patronize or support his uh, work, they're okay with that too. They're staying true to their uh, original mission uh, with the original flavor of most of their work. And if, if you don't appreciate it, it's okay. You know, the Netflix employees try to do what they try to do with Chappelle. And that didn't go anywhere. And um, I haven't heard of anybody boycotting Beavis and Butthead, but I could see why you would. Some of those newer episodes are something else. But I say many of these things because that's just how I spend some of my time, you know. Hey, let's get on Amazon. I'm running low on eye drops. What's the best deal we can get for you can get four a four pack of eye drops for like ten dollars? And so do I need them yet? Well, no, I still have like a bottle and a half of eye drops in the fridge. I, I keep them in the fridge so they'd be cool because then the eye drops feel better on your eyes. And some of them are designed that way when you read the instructions on the eye drops or otherwise you keep refrigerated. Uh, I, I like the sensation. It's cooler. It hits my red eyes and it, it you know makes me feel significantly happier to be putting those drops in. Uh, number one, they're going to help me with the redness of my eyes. But two... Well, they feel a lot better that way. It's one of the reasons I buy Advil. Even though so many names are attached to generic ibuprofen, I'm used to tasting that coating that's on the outside of the Advil tablets. You know, those just sitting there in your mouth until you get your drink ready, and now you're ready, and all right, Advil. I don't know that one takes care of the headache any better than the other one. 
that uh, consumption factor, the, t- the sitting on your tongue kind of more pleasant um, experience with the Advil is why I choose it and pay more than I do for the, getting a generic. It's my preference. You may do this with spices or you know any kind of um, edible piece of your diet, something from the grocery store, and you say, man, this one... The brand name just tastes better than the other one. My dad was always big on the ice cream that was generic or the grocery store brand or, you know, the, the off-brand or whatever. You may have a term for it, but he always said those ice creams were creamier than buying Briars or another uh, prominent brand of ice cream uh, for whatever reason. And he liked the, the creamier better than... Um, risking it all on, you know, Briars. My grandmother was always a Briars woman. She had kept chocolate, and she keeps the, um, it, it was and may still be called, I think, homemade vanilla, but it's the vanilla with the black specks in it that she always preferred. My, you know, because that's what my grandmother keeps in the fridge, and that's what they love, too. That's what it reminds me of them of being at Grandma's house, so they love the Briar's chocolate, and they love the the homemade vanilla. Anyway, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a little bit of advertising and food mix up in here from Hellman's, and then uh, we'll be right back. John. Bree, any idea why we are in a fridge? Well, I'm Bree. Yeah, I'm John. I know, but you're John who? John Ham. So we're Bree and. Brie and ham. Ham and brie, I get it. And Hellman's. We're dinner. Well, with Hellman's, all these leftovers can be anything. Is that Pete Davidson? Uh-huh. He really is everywhere. I'm gonna eat you guys. You guys are really delicious. That's, that's weird. Hellman's brings leftovers to life. We are back from the break, and it's Peter Cetera. Now I am the man who will fight for your honor. I'll be the hero you've been dreaming of. Gonna live forever, knowing together that we gave it all for the glory of love. But like a knight in shining armor from a long time ago, just in time, I will seize the day. Take you to my castle far away. Oh, the first time I heard that song from Karate Kid 2, they're dancing on the waves taking over the old demolishing temple at the tide and the just the atrophy against the, you know, the seasons of aging. Love that movie. I just got done watching Karate Kid uh, Part 1 the other day, so maybe Part 2 this evening. I know I need to watch a a variety of other things. I watched Nefarious last night with uh, my buddy John. That was a different, interesting ride. It's it's very peculiar kind of movie. It's... it's, I'm not going to spoil anything. But um, there's some... Your instincts are correct as you're watching the movie. Put it that way. Um, I was in the middle of going through this Myers-Briggs personality test, and um, 
interesting ride that was. It came back as one of the 16 personality types. Mine, it says, is ENTJ, which is extroverted, intuitive, thinking, and judging. It says it's one of the least common personality types in the population. The rarest type amongst women. Uh, is it a strong personality? It is considered the most powerful personality type, according to SOSNYCDSOSINCT.com. So, that's, I guess that's interesting, to say the least. Uh, the results, you might want to know, were 74% extroverted versus 26% introverted. I have 40% for sensing, but 60% for intuitive. They have 56% for thinking versus 44% for feeling. And then uh, the one that most folks would have gotten right about me, 25% for perception or perceiving and 75% for judging. Well... I guess we figured that out. People uh, tell me that I'm judgmental. Um, I suppose my personality test would... It would confirm many of their... suspicions. <laughs> well, I'm not going to let it make me feel bad about myself. Um gonna pour me a glass of rum and we'll go through a few other things so that uh, people can judge me. You know, I have quite an interesting or at least it is to me a series of things that I've done to be able to I, to confirm my suspicions, to know that I was right, to be competitive in certain situations and say, I told you so. Whether it's out working, out racing, out performing in whatever fashion, someone else. Sometimes it's about people, we rile each other up and then you say things to... Because you don't mind crashing the car, you don't mind the demolition derby, the collateral damage, you're willing to um, take your anger where you're already unhappy with the situation and then destroy whatever's left of the situation for everybody else that's involved. And I have felt that way plenty of times uh, prior to probably about three or four years ago. That was a very common thing for me. Hey, I've... Uh, Invested X number of hours, minutes, you know, I've, I've already blocked off this time, devoted this energy. It's, you know, already, um, it'd be like having a reservation or something somewhere. It's already been booked and um, the room's already paid for. So, let's do something about it. And uh, this was relative to me being upset with something. Hey, I've already decided I'm going to use this much energy for whatever this thing is in front of me. And if it's not going to go the way I wanted it to go, well, I'm going to use that energy to make the other person feel just completely responsible for, 
you know, whatever happened with the way that the situation broke down. They're going to have to own it with me. They're going to feel just as bad as I feel about this and this and this. If we can't work together, that is. I always looked at it like that, you know. Why doesn't this person want to work with me? Oh, you don't want to work with me. All right. Well, I can be more destructive than you can. And that's something that, unfortunately, a lot of people uh, still do. I, I was able to, to just look at it and say, that's not, it's never going to build anything. It's not ever going to be constructive. And even if you, what do you want up in that person? Now they feel worse than you. They just didn't do anything. Avoiding or having this invincibility to the negativity that I have had for some time now. That's the way you win. To be happy in a way that other people can't be. I believe it's the background on this computer. Let me minimize this. Says, yes, and when the love of life disappears, no meaning can console us. Oh, that's not the one. I believe it's a different Albert Camus quote that says something along the lines of, the only way to truly be free How does it go? The only way to deal with an unfree world is to become so absolutely free that your very existence is an act of rebellion. I don't know that that's not accurate in most instances of my life. I was I had a conversation with with a friend um, recently and. Uh, you know, I was hearing all the, the projects. Hey, you, you'll never guess what I'm doing with this and this and this. I'm doing this for a nonprofit. I'm doing this for somebody else. There's another nonprofit wants me to do this and this and this. And, this. and I said, but that is the nature of nonprofits. They want you to volunteer. So everything that you're doing is free to them. Every volunteer at every nonprofit is greatly appreciated and they'd always want you to volunteer and give more if you could because it doesn't affect their bottom line it doesn't cost them anything there's no overtime for them to pay you they don't come out of pocket it's everything that you give to them is a way for them to leech and suck and benefit from you now are there great nonprofits that people volunteer for sure but to act like because you're wanted as a volunteer to nonprofit makes you special that's not true Good nonprofits appreciate everybody who volunteers, and they can't get enough of them or enough of the individual contributions of any individual volunteer. People act like because they're doing some of these things, whether it's, oh, you know, I'm working on this stuff with these grants and this and that. If it was that special, you could market it and you could sell it and make a private business out of it. You wouldn't have to ask for donations. That's what a grant is, a donation. Grants are an elevated form of panhandling. And 
And for folks who act like they, you know, do these wonderful things and they are, you know, just outside of the realm of the private world or the corporate world or otherwise, the only thing that makes that stuff possible is tax dollars and private donations. They can't exist without the corporate world, but the corporate world can certainly exist without the nonprofits. One it's, is a leech, and the other one is the host. Make no mistake about it. You know, I do this and this and that with animals. Oh, well, you know, it's the only legal form of say. Is it? You gonna use the word? Yeah, I am. The only legal form of slavery. That's what it is. You own them animals. They're captive inside of a fence on a leash, often with a ball and chain restrained by a gate, being drug around. They're staked to something, tied to something, rehomed, sold, auctioned, breeded, euthanized at your discretion. If they're free, why do we have a leash law? If they're free, why will animal control pick them up? And if they're that free, maybe even like deer, black bears, whatever, why do we have hunting season to control their populations? It's the food chain we live in. If you're okay with that, then you're okay with that, as long as you acknowledge it. But people ask, you know, why don't I have an animal? Eh. Just don't. I don't think that's... It's not in my best interest. Would it be a wonderful existence for an animal? I don't know. He'd probably rather be hanging out with his people and peeing wherever he wants and hanging out, sniffing stuff and being intuitive and finding out what the world is like. Or... Depending on the size of your house is what the cage looks like. Bigger prisons are still prisons. Just because you're not in solitary or a smaller, higher security. You know, there's there's different tiers of the prisons. There's different tiers of people's houses. But that's the level of, of freedom that any of those animals have well i have a wildlife reserve you know a guy like stone cold steve austin that owns however many lakers uh, i'm sorry acres where he has lakes and streams and and just genuinely has built this you know place to but he also goes and hunts on his own land and this and that and the other those are still his animals no matter how big it is he's in control get to play god with it My animal's free. When he goes and bites somebody, they're going to punish you, not him. Because you own him. And he's your slave. I'm sorry, Your Honor. I thought my dog had been emancipated. <laughs> oh, I released him into the wild and he bit somebody. He's been, he's been emancipated. So I can't be held responsible. Possible for my dog eating, you know, your rabbit or whatever it was. Oh my god. Oh, I'm waiting on those days. Oh, somebody do it. Stand up in court. I emancipated him, Your Honor. 
from the canine underground. We've been funneling them dogs to freedom <laughs> way up there in Canada. <laughs> and they bit some poor guy in bronze in Toronto, and they had to prosecute the guy from the the dog railroad. Oh God. Oh. Anyway, yeah. So so animals are. So yeah, people judge me for all kinds of conversations that I have, whether they're you know they're oh yeah, I mean well. I work for this many different places. I have this many different things going on. That just tells me you're not very good at any one thing. You know why you spread out when you get slammed and splattered and splashed and squashed and sat on, elbow dropped and everything else in wrestling? Because when you spread yourself out, it reduces the impact all around. The more of you that hits the ground, the farther the impact can be spread to, to that many different points. It's like sleeping on a bed of nails. It's acupuncture. It is the concept behind keeping things from having a greater impact in one single area. So when you spread your resources around, they hit in different areas and they weaken different things all at once. But the opposite is true for you. If you're stretched in this many different directions then you're only penetrating this far in that many different directions and not deep penetration in one direction. And so that's just how that works. And if you if you don't understand that, then you don't. But if I took a battering ram and hit the door sideways, it would not have the same impact as turning the battering ram long ways and hitting it with just the head. Try to drive a nail where you swing the hammer sideways instead of with the head of the hammer towards the nail. It doesn't work the same. Doesn't. I guess not. No, it wouldn't. If you were going to drive your car into something or through something, if you swung it sideways and hit something with the side of your car, it wouldn't have the same impact as hitting it with the front of your car. You're changing the trajectory. You're changing the amount of force being spread out across the variety of different contact points. And when you do that, it reduces the impact. So when you try to do six things at once, you don't do any one of them exceptionally well. And if you do any one of them exceptionally well, then keep doing that one. And maybe one other thing. Specialize in the world so that you can do something better than other people, so that you are in higher demand, so that you have skill levels that develop to a, an extent that other people recognize that. And you have now a deeper and more um, well not only established, but well-respected track record. It's hard to do a lot of different things and excel at all of them. It's, it's it, you know, it's, it's just a smart money. How do you get the most yardage? When the guy runs way down the field and you throw a end zone pass, a Hail Mary, some long Y pattern across the middle. You know what doesn't get as much yardage, not statistically, when you go running zigzag patterns across the field, <laughs> you, have, you increase your chances of getting tackled and stopped. You can't penetrate as well. Anyway, uh, it, I think that's just how I am. And and so when folks bring certain things to me or they try to tell me, you know, all of these, oh, yeah, I'm, okay. Do we have anything left over from the last podcast? Oh, we do. We do. 
The Adventure of the Orgasm. Uh, yeah, that's sitting there. The Sound of Success, we did that one. Being heard, as in listened to and not herded and treated like a sheep. Being being respected or listened to, paid attention to as an individual versus being treated like one of the masses. Yeah, that, I would say that's extremely important to people. It's something that I do. It's something that uh, I try to have... An extremely intricate understanding of folks as an individual. That way I know your strengths to highlight and exacerbate. Uh, versus not having any idea and treating you like you're just a spoke in a wheel. And didn't, you know, if you can excel in some kind of way and I can recognize you for that, um, then you serve a more special place in the world. And for those things that you are more special at, you can be more deeply rewarded, and it uh, helps to enhance your ability to support your family and certainly to be recognized, and in other ways, just to feel like you have this track record that other folks just are not going to have. You are able to succeed and, and make an impact at a level they that others have failed or have not yet followed. If you're just doing the same thing everybody else is doing, you're just, you know, a sheep in the herd. And then when they need to make adjustments, they thin the herd, and you're up on the chopping block. If you're special like that, you probably will be exempt because there's only one of you, and they can't place you. It makes you that much more valuable. The last episode, we went across the emotional emergency. Call this home. That was the Dave Matthews. Don't drink the water. The adventure of the orgasm. That's what I called just having a conversation or just getting into the, the mix of things with somebody for the purposes of dating them. But it, it's, I think I just said that to somebody in, in the fashion that if you're having these get-to-know-you kind of flirtatious, maybe a little looser dialogues with somebody and you... Start engaging at a level that you say something playful and they say something back. If you say something that's geared towards a personality trait where they need to be an alpha or they mean they perhaps submissive is what their reaction is to you. Whatever those character traits are, the, the players that are in, in this particular battle uh, of wits and of more or less... I'd say it's a conflict of compatibility. I mean, it genuinely is two people who are fighting to to want to be compatible, to to try to find common ground, and to you know, and it, you're gonna run across people in life, and I've been told this, I've dated people who've said this, you know, the right person, they're just going to know everything, like they got a crystal ball, or you know, they're telepathic, and you're never gonna have to speak up or answer questions or clarify anything. They're just going to know the right thing to do all the time. That's right. Dinner's at 8 o'clock at the Sizzler. Get your dress on. Hey, get out of here. Like, not everybody's going to ever, number one, welcome that, think like that. Otherwise, that's just it's a once-in-a-while thing that somebody brought out, and then people have tried to say that's how it's always going to be. Yeah, it's, it's, then it's not special anymore, dummy.
If it's always like that, it doesn't stand out. Can't miss you if you're not gone. I worry about folks. It's just like they don't understand. They're wearing out. They're welcome. They're, you know, they're underlying or undermining the very kinds of behaviors that they would like for someone to have. Number one, they make it known, so then other people are like, yeah, I'll do that. And then you get people who are trying it for the first time. They're disingenuous. They just don't fit that kind of personality type. And you run up against that, and you're like, oh, my goodness. He's he's doing it not very well. And even the folks who, who do certain things very well, if they knew much about the situations, they would... Um, use deprivation tactics as well and say, oh, we're not doing that this time. And that way it, the absence makes the heart grow fonder, kind of, you know, anticipatory kind of needs are then generated and, and germinated and germ- <laughs> germinated. <laughs> when two people from Deutschland procreate. Um, no, they... <laughs> Um, (laughs) I germinated my wife Um, it's one of those things where you know two people they need to be able to not only get along but you need to be able to in some ways have these deprivation tactics uh, for your partner and you you gotta know that they're doing it in a way that they want there to, to be this anticipatory kind of atmosphere where you're like, I, 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 you haven't said anything about my hair. No, I noticed your hair a long time ago. But I was going to say something when I felt more, you know, I saw it in the light over here, or this or that or the other. And you try to force compliments and go, hey, I don't have the kind of patience to wait for if or when he's going to say something. All that tells me is you're impatient. That's all it should say to the other person. No, no, you should compliment people faster. You have to compliment people faster. I don't think that's how it works. That's not then a compliment. That's a requirement. And compliments are not required. They're voluntarily given to people. Otherwise, it ain't a compliment. It's disingenuous that way. Remember now, this is coming from a guy who's 75% of the way judging with ENTJ personality. But uh, <laughs> I, I worry about folks uh, in some fa- fashions like that for their own sake. I don't, you know, here. I've been talking about getting into the podcast a little deeper where people somebody can judge me and kind of just throwing things out there and getting them off my chest, uh, you know, once and for all. And then people can have this ammunition or, you know, they'll know exactly where to put the stake uh, in my heart or something. Well, at least I, I think that people think that way. I, I don't really work that way. If you think any of the things that I'm about to share with you are then going to be these magic bullets that you can use to vanquish me, <laughs> you will be sadly mistaken. I am volunteering this information. Uh, not only with innocence, but because it's I've made peace with all of it a very long time ago. And if you don't, <laughs> there's nothing you're going to be able to say to me 
to have me feel your pain or reconcile it on my side or otherwise. I I may listen to you and you go, oh my God, my Okay. Well, you can't change the past, so do you want to live with it and move forward, or do you want to go a different direction? And that's where it's going to go after these messages. The mouth-watering Big Mac with a savory filio fish and a tasty McChicken. My goodness, that looks good. Oh, oh, you're making a McDonald's menu hat. Yes, a land, air, and sea. Oh, it's going to tip over. No, it's good. It's good. Very stable. Order the land, air, and sea by name, build it by hand, and hack the McDonald's menu. I'm surprised at how attracted I am to it. manager of the Cleveland Indians, and he's calling, give me Ricky, he's calling for Rick Vaughn out of the bullpen there in Major League, one of the, the great sports movies, right, Joe Boo and Serrano, <laughs> Harris, the pitcher, doing all, all this up to their crazy antics, uh, and of course, if, you, if you're not familiar with Tom Berenger and Wesley Snipes, you have um, Willie Mays Hayes and... Um, Jake Taylor. I love going back and watching any of those movies. It's quite interesting to watch The Chase. The music from Bill Conti is always wonderful. He's in so many different things. He's the guy that did the Karate Kid music as well as doing a lot of things for Rambo and other folks that I've quite enjoyed. So Anyway, back to the ways that you can judge me on my... I've done a lot of things to be able to uh, tell the story, you know, whether it's pay somebody's um, credit cards down on a generous level or, you know, giving a healthy amount of money away to nonprofits and stuff in the last few years. Some nice gifts that I've just put in the mail to people, written letters and just mail, you know, mail them off in, in a way that I didn't used to give up the opportunity to capture whatever was written there. And what I mean by that is, I used to take a photograph of everything that I wrote, so I at least had, like, a photo of it. 
uh, even in modern times, things that I have typed out and mailed uh, to people. I have gone out of my way to, to write them in um, a rough draft and then close the file and hit um, don't save. And, and there's no, you know, nothing on my end. Whatever folks, you know, receive from me as a thank you or recognition otherwise is there's one copy of it. I don't go out of my way to memorize much of anything anymore. A lot of what's written on my website, when I go back to read it, it's something fresh to me for the first time again, and I quite enjoy that. I write things in such a way that I want them to interest me as the reader in the future. If you get something out of it, I'm very flattered, but as the guy who knows or developed the story to be able to to intrigue myself, um, I almost think that that's asking a lot from anybody else to me, a member of the audience, or to go through and, and try to read something that you have no prior knowledge of that's written in a way for the guy who wrote the story to still be, <laughs> be questioning it and figure it out as it goes along. What would that mean to somebody who has, you know, zero insight preview memory otherwise nothing nothing i don't know what the title means you know what's going on in that story i kind of know what's going on it's unpredictable to me so i i have fun with with it for myself uh, if you get something out of it I'm, I'm very flattered i've been told certain things you can read you know four different ways when you read it four different times and, and i'm Hey, I, I'm all for that kind of thing. At a different point in your life, you may read a story or see a cartoon or something, and it means something completely different to you. I know that as I've gotten older, you know, when I've had chances to uh, engage and, you know, whether it's talk to someone or flirt with someone or whatever. This, listen, these are, I, I put all my my old tricks on the table as if there's a lot of eligible bachelors listening to this, but you know, I can't tell you how many times, you know, someone um, through whatever means would match up. And you have to have certain qualities to be able to capitalize on these opportunities, right? So folks have told me that I have these wonderful blue eyes, et cetera, et cetera, right? You know, I, my theory on that is that I see my peripheral vision or otherwise, I see problems and I find resolutions for them. Or I don't carry the baggage around. It's part of the reason that my eyes stay blue and not so um, much wear and tear on them, et cetera, et cetera. Now, in recent times, I've stayed up too long and I'm working these very strange hours overnight. And um, that's probably got my eyes redder than other times in my life. But, you know, you get some sleep and you try to, you know, look the way you look. I don't go to the gym and have arm and back and leg day and whatever people do. I don't do it. I've never been a member of a gym. Um, I work hard for a living, and that's what I do. And so when people say certain things, and if you're if you're single and somebody says something about your looks, tell them they should see it in person. You should see me and judge for yourself. We should have dinner, and then you can determine for yourself. You know what you think face to face. It's a way to treat people as familiar. I mean, I don't know any other way to treat people. You know, folks will act like you're asking a question that is too intrusive, too in-depth, too, 
uh, much uh, beyond whatever their privacy wall is. I, you know, there are certain things that I'm, you know, I'm not going to ask you what your social security number is. I understand there's certain things that, you know, they're border on identity theft, I guess. Not because I'm asking, but if you had the information, you could then turn it into some kind of uh, mischievous act to just ask people frivolous things about their dating history, their intimate um, record or whatever you want to call that. Just treat people as familiar. I mean, you can ask people all about themselves, right? And they'll share things, and they've been through traumatic experiences. They need to tell you about this and that and the other. And when you go to bring up anything that is intimate, oh, 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 too early for that. It's up on a shelf. It's in the closet. Safety deposit box. DEFCON 5. It's buried deep in the ground. You know, whatever it is, it's just ridiculous to be like that. Is the most important thing in the world to you physical intimacy? No, it's not. Why do you put it up on a pedestal where it's valued more than anything else? You've taken it off the table. You've given it this almost invaluable quality where it's up on a pedestal, on a mountaintop, on the mantle where you can't reach it. And now you've made it this thing that people are going to objectify about you. That's what happens. Now, you could look at it and say, you know, I'll discuss that with you later. And if you bring it up in this casual way so that you give them some kind of acknowledgement for the subject matter that's different but to say like nope that's off limits now you've just made it taboo and they're gonna do that much more to, to say i gotcha and they're gonna work on you and they're gonna find an opening or they're not they're gonna get frustrated you can fast forward whatever the situation is about doing things like that it's just, just the nature of human beings and you know when i've had people oh, you have amazing blue eyes yeah you should see them in person Why do you do that? Test people. See if they'll say yes without knowing anything about you. That means they probably make rush judgments and they're more promiscuous than not. Tell me a different way to give feedback about that. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean it does. It steps up the tempo and it certainly has a different connotation to it. You can acknowledge it or don't. But it's not going to change the truth. So we we run into these situations, and and you know people have different words for their their number. What's the mysterious number? What's your body count? How many people you been? You know they've got all these these terms to try to. Now sometimes people have a, a, a better, you know, more fashionable way of asking that and there's other folks in modern times they don't they don't care that that is trivial information they they could care less how many days you've been alive how many people are in your dating history how many notches are on your scoreboard or whatever i don't care other folks do they're very trivial about it it's an individual uh, perception, how, how serious you take it. You may be more negotiable for a person. You know, you may look at somebody who's just the perfect fit and they've had a scarier past or, you know, they've got all this scar tissue and they've been up and down different roads. That you would, I, I would not have given anybody else with a background like this any kind of shot in the world. But for you, I'm feeling something saucy. You give anybody a chance under any circumstances. I instincts are something that plays an integral part of that but i've always been a red flag green flag kind of you know ask people test questions what do you do for a living 
I do this and this. You know, what's your level of responsibility is what you're asking. What is their availability to be able to see you? What is their uh, ambition to contribute to the relationship? So here is Michael and Wonder Woman, and we're going to get into a, a relationship. And if she is... 1,000% all about me and in and this and that, and she does not stand up for herself, that's different. If if she tries to say something and you say something and you can't, like, knock heads, that's not going to be healthy. And you can look at it and say, you know, because I've, I've been in those situations. Somebody will say, hey, uh, you know, the right man's just not going to argue with you. He's going to know what the right thing is to do. Well, damn, I should have used this guy years ago. I could have saved a fortune instead of paying Miss Cleo, don't you know, to do all of my psychic readings. Because this guy's an obvious telepathic. He's an obviously uh, highly qualified telepathic code breaker. We're going to need him to step in here. Hyperbolic. Wait, is that what I said? I don't remember. Whatever I was trying to figure on the last podcast. Telepathic. The the Manchester Orchestra song from 2021's Million Masks of God. I think it's track seven, Telepathic. Oh, I love that song. It's, it's amazing. Oh, I love so many other songs. But, yeah, you know, you're going to run into people who are going to try to pretend that their person has the magical answers. It's no work at all. <laughs> the perfect book I'm going to read is going to turn the pages for me. It's going to just jump off of those pieces of papyrus right into my brain. I'm not even going to have to read it, decipher it, figure it out, imagine anything. There's no cognitive thinking going on. It's just going to implant itself like plug-and-play USB of 2023. Good. Out of here. You know. Use your cliches, man. Anything worth having is worth fighting for. It's worth the headache. It's worth the effort. It's, you know. The old, you know, absence makes the, the heart grow fonder. And good things come to those who wait and all these kinds of things. You know. But I just, it's so strange to me to see folks who are out there roaming around. And they're single, but they know what the perfect recipe for a relationship is. Oh, well, show me this successful one that you've used this formula to, <laughs> to nurture and get off the ground. Where's it flying at? It must be too high for me to see. I just I can't enjoy this relationship the way you must have. You know, I don't have a, a, a Hubble telescope to see it out there in outer space. I just I, I'm lost when it comes to these things because when it comes to people like the, the things that make me incompatible with folks are generally speaking that I am not a big fan of uh, mute as I call it mutant language. Where the that's right, I went to the store and I bought some almond milk. No, you didn't. There's no such thing as almond milk. Doesn't come from a mammary gland. It's not real. It's not milk. That's a lie. Well, it says it's almond milk. Yeah, 
and Stefan and Aerosol can calls itself dry shampoo, but one of the qualities of shampoo is that it's liquid. There's no such thing as dry shampoo. It's a lie. The fact that you engage in it doesn't make it any more real. It's not what the word means. A friend sent me something and said, Hey, Michael, you write a lot of stuff. Let me share something with you that I wrote. I said, Okay. And what they had written said, uh, the premise of it is that this guy has a bush in his backyard that is not well taken care of. The neighbor sees that. They want to take care of it. But the language in the story is person A is failing to have success with a bush. Person B lives next door. They see it. They want to save the bush for their neighbor. We'll step in and save the day. They invite the neighbor over to talk about the bush. So person A lives on this piece of property on the left. It's divided by a fence. Person B, who lives inside the fence, invites them over for coffee. A comes around the front of the house, goes to coffee at B's house behind the fence. And the way the language was written was that the man in charge of the bush comes over for coffee, and it says they begin to speak to him about what he might be doing wrong. They, they might be doing wrong. What do you mean? They, they're, they're talking to him? Who? Who's talking to him? There was one guy in a backyard. There was another person in a backyard. They got together, and in this room is two people. So if one guy is talking to they, he's talking to two people. Because they is a multiple person pronoun. It means more than one. By definition, it means more than one. You might as well say he's talking to a group of people. They is a group or a couple. It's two or more. It's a mathematical word. It, is, it means greater than or equal to two. All right? So if they are talking to him, he is talking to more than one person. All right. Now, I asked this question. And uh, the person who wrote it said, because I said, that you've not introduced anybody to use a pronoun for. So who is the third person in the room? And I said, well, why do you think there's a third person in the room? Because you used language that equals three or more people. The guy went over and talked to the mob. He was talking to one person? That'd make, yep, that's right. That's why it was a mob. No, it wasn't. A mob is more than one person. Two's a couple and three's company. And this guy went over and he talked to company. Well, if three is company, he must be talking to three people. No, you're assuming. No, you. Oh, oh, these are definitions, man. If he put a red condiment on his hot dog, he put ketchup on the hot dog. It cannot be red mustard. It does not work that way. There's no such thing as red mustard. Oh, don't try to mutate anything because it's you're just being ridiculous now you've thrown all of your credibility out the window you might as well jump out behind it it's easier to have the space in the room and think alone than it is to have somebody who's just convoluting and disorienting the rest of what the english language has established are you telling a story or are you babbling well just because you don't agree with the definitions of language 
I said, well, how come you don't put the period in the middle or the beginning of the sentence? If you can manipulate the meanings of words, why can't the period go where you want it to? The words can mean, obviously, anything that you want them to. Right or wrong? Later, there was a bunch of different quotes, but it was like a quote, and then a quote, and then a quote. We didn't say anybody about who said what, whatever. And essentially what this person had tried to do is, and I, and I don't have a better catchy, as you know, whatever the, the kids might say, or, or modern folks might say, or I mean, I'm not up to date with the, the slang of 2023. It seemed to me that the person was trying to, to re- just the Chicago code. They were trying to play with the understood, kind of like the laws of physics or gravity or natural laws in general. They were trying to play with the decorum of English and to manipulate the way that it was written to... You ever seen the, like the game of telephone or the there's a an email I believe it comes from Stanford University or something it was a test email that had you know threes replace the e's and h's might be h's but then t's might be sevens and you know so the message is written in a way that you could look at it read it know what it says but it's not written correctly you, your eyes will look through it and they'll recognize certain things that are relative and you go oh oh I know what it says you, you broke the code well the the premise of grammar is that there are certain things that make the recipe work and then other things are not grammatically correct. And certain things fit the definition of a word and then other things are just an improper use of the word. And in 2023, because there's so much play with pronouns and everything else, this person had written this story in a way to see if they could basically skip a rock across, like test the waters of, can you write it this way? And someone would read it and go, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. No, I don't know what you mean. Because if you tried to film that, it would be a lie. You can't put that into a script and then try to shoot it with two actors because it requires three. It's they. I identify as third person, as multiple people. Am I missing where you just pronounced multiple personality disorder? Like, that could be... The only aspiration to be able to qualify and quantify the word in a way that you could say, here is one person, but he's talking to they, he's talking to this person's multiple personalities or something of that nature. That would be more in line with uh, demonic possession or something else where there's more than one person inside of, uh, you, know, you know. So that's not what's going on. They were trying to, as, as the young folks say, normalize the. misinterpretation of, of what is a finite definition. And I welcome you to try to do this with your math teacher and go, that's right. Two is greater than or equal to two. Three is greater than or equal to two. All right, well, how about one? Is one greater than or equal to two? And wrong. Well, why can't it identify as greater than or equal to two? Because one is less than two.
Oh, you're trying to say one is less than two? He's less than they? You're trying to... <laughs> I can see it now. It's like some lemon color skin or something. Oh, I'm just playing with it. I can't believe you said that. I'm less than them? Less than who? Oh, how do you count those people on the census? Are they more than one? <laughs> Oh, we sign up for a race uh, for the Boston Marathon or whatever, and they give you a, a you know the thing. You stick it to your chest. Here's your number. Here's how they identify you from the start to the finish. And you go, no, that's not my number. I need more than one number. Like well, there's only one person racing. There's only two legs. Uh, you failed. I understand? No, I don't. Like what? Oh, oh. That's that's where consumption takes over. That's somebody who's taking more than their share, more than more than what they're less than or equal to. I hope you brought enough for everybody. Yeah, I brought five. There's five people. No, you need to have seven. <laughs> Two of these people identify as <laughs> no. I guess there are other personalities that have to do without. In this case, though, what I was reading was someone who was trying to to play a game of, you know, basically you could sub out someone's name, pronoun, anything else, and it would just be relatively accepted. And I said, nah, it doesn't work that way. Math and science, baby. So did we get into a disagreement? Yes. Did they stop talking to me? Yes. Were they, like, one of the first six people to block me that week? No. Uh, yeah, it's... Standards are extremely important. If you start running around and every house is dilapidated, it doesn't mean. Let's say it's a restaurant. You're a health inspector. You keep going to the restaurants that are they're like 75s. They're going to fail the health inspection. Do you start passing them just because every other restaurant was a little bit in line with it? You know, nothing's above like an 80. We'll change the grading scale. No, you don't change the grading scale. Ooh, who's going to eat in those places? And that's what we've done in a lot of ways to our education system. Here's these people who, you know, these folks are out here making an A by doing 90 to 100. When I was younger, A was 94 to 100. And B was 90, you know, it's like 87 to 93. Not anymore. Now it's the 10-point scale. And I've seen some crazier scales that are more than 10 points for an A. And I just thought, oh, my God, I hope that guy's not driving the ambulance. Oh. God, man. This would help many of uh, the people who like baseball players who are like just below the the threshold of whatever it would be to be like an all-star or Cy Young winner, uh, be in the Hall of Fame, be considered one of the greats of all time. We just dropped the, the, the accepted standards of excellence and now more people can be in that uh, top tier. The upper one percent. You know, it's I'm tired of working. The upper one percent's got ninety nine percent of the money. Well, why don't we say that the upper ten percent has ninety nine percent of the money? That's still true. Yeah, but uh, the upper one percent has. Uh, yeah, it's true. But if you increase the percentage, then it's still true. 
I never see anybody doing that. You want to be inclusive, right? Well, yeah. Well, if Larry over there has got 99 out of $100, guess what? If he includes five people who have 25 cents each, between the six of them, they still have 99% of everything. Not a bad way to look at it. You know, it doesn't articulate it well so that you can vilify anybody and, you know, pull them out and exile them, put them, you know, out there for show and shame them. And so it's not what, uh, it's not what inclusion's about. People literally take statistics and things like this and they start to exclude people. Just like in this situation where I was talking to somebody, they asked me for my feedback. I gave them mathematical feedback. And they're like, I don't like your feedback. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. <laughs> like, all right. Well, I don't want dishonest people in my life. Let's turn 90 degrees, please. Mm. What's that sign up there say? Dishonesty is not welcome here by Michael L. Craver. Right over my office door. Oh. Oh. I was nice. I didn't send the uh, traditional... Uh, you know, error message. This you know, this user no longer accepts messages from folks below the intellectual poverty line or anything like that. Um, <laughs> message could not be delivered. User no longer accepts messages from senders below the intellectual poverty line. Um. I just I have too much fun with certain things, and it's not the rum talking. It's not because I've been up for I have over the last three days I've been asleep for like six and a half hours in the last like 72 hours or something I don't know what's going on where I've been working nights it's so strange because my body is doing this thing where like it you know Let's be alive. You know, I'm three days a week. I'm I'm off during the day, right? And my body lives this crazy, like AM existence for long periods of time, and I'll crash. I'll be sitting here. I'll I'll sit down somewhere in a chair in my kitchen outside on the the, the big. I've got an Ashley furniture oversized chair. It's like five feet around. It sits on a swivel in front of the fireplace, and then it can turn, you know, any direction. And I'll sit down sometimes when I'm checking my phone or something. I'll sleep. I'm sure if I close my eyes in 45 seconds in front of this microphone, I could fall asleep. You just listen to me snore for the rest of the podcast. I'd leave it in there, too. I'd stop recording and upload it just like that. Why? Because I don't proof these anymore. I record them in segments. People ask about the podcast. You want to hear the secret? I'll tell you the secret. I knew what song was going to be my entrance, except I used the uh, couple of regular fellas. That's the name of the chapter from the movie Heat by Michael Mann. I had ripped it. I took a segment of it, whether it was Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, put that into a file. I have it open in my in my editing software, right? So I have that. I recorded the opening chapter. Uh, boom, bam. Cue it for commercial. All right. Come back from the commercial, and I then I put the next one in um there's always two files moving at the same time so you have the opening or at least i started with the opening 
then recorded um, the opening segment, put it behind, put the music in front of it. I'm sorry. So you have the segment, music in front, um, commercial break. That's now that's a file. Close all the other files. All right. So I have the first whatever percentage of the show. Now I do the next segment. Now I attach it to the first segment. Now I delete that raw file that had the second segment alone. Now I've got opening segment, break segment. All right. Now here's the second file at red play. The third segment starts. Boom. Except I put uh, Wild Thing from uh, X is the name of the band from Major League uh, in there. And then I did me. But because I build it that way and I saved the file as it goes, I saved the opening in segment one, then I the opening in segment one and segment two, then the opening in segment one, two, three. So I've done all of that and I keep saving it. Now when I finish the last segment of recording, if, if this is it, because I don't decide ahead of time, um, I will add this. It'll be one long train of the segments. I will add the closing music, which I don't think I've chosen at this point, and I will save it and I will upload it. I won't. I don't proof it. I don't listen to it again. I don't edit it. None of that stuff. I try to catch myself cursing before I say it, uh, and there's nothing else I would want to take out of the show. It's one. It's it's for all intensive purposes one take. The only reason that I divide it into segments is because there's sponsors and then the bathroom breaks or whatever else I might do when you're not right here. I started at 3.17. We're now roughly, if I'm doing the math on this right, it should be right at 95 or 6 minutes later. Uh, in real time, it's 6.02, and it's 2 hours and 45 minutes later. So instead of an hour... And, which is you know ninety five minutes, an hour and a half. I'm I'm actually about forty five minutes longer because I spent some time listening to Wild Thing and doing the personality test. When I was getting ready to do it, the internet went out. I had to fix it, so it doesn't take that long to do one of these episodes. But you have to have the resources to do it. Whether it's the stories to go behind it, the ability to to talk, to fortitude, the the, you know, the the nerve to get here in front of a microphone or in front of whatever, and like just. Spill your guts. I call it audible brainstorming because a lot of it is things that I haven't like played with, and um, I do it here and I, I play with myself for the first time right here in front, of <laughs> right here in front of everything. I play with the language of of my thoughts one against the other, and I, I play against myself. Um, so to speak, uh, in front of you know the audience, and and I don't mind that. I don't. I make it a point not to think about these things and pre-discuss them or whatever. Those things will be gone. Um, let me think if there's anything else I wanted to interject before I start doing kind of a final segment. Um, it is called. Let me open this up. My I had my email open. Um. Where the tides defy the moon. Uh, that is a oh, London Bridge is falling down, falling down, falling down. It's uh, it's called Abandoned Toys is the band or the artist, uh, and they do piano music. And some of it's got vocals on it, but Abandoned Toys. If you go listen to their uh, Spotify channel or whatever else, um, it's rather interesting, and um, I, I I thoroughly have enjoyed listening to the Spotify uh, piano channels and, and other things uh, around 
you know anything that I'm doing worked in or otherwise it's 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 awesome um, the little red hen consequential knowledge yeah I listened I was listening to uh, dr. Phil on Joe Rogan's podcast he was talking about the paperback book which is an old children's story the little red hen how it has consequential knowledge when you know decisions mean things uh, so I ordered a copy of it I also you know mentioned some of the books I came home uh, from the mission with uh, I bought my dad some other things. Uh, you know, I, I'm always adding to the collection. Anything else I want to sponsor or encourage people to? Um, um, how is this written? Is it? A, it'll take me ten minutes to read that. I don't know that it's going to make any sense to anybody on this podcast. I might read that. Um, I'm going to send this to a break, and we'll see if, if, if everybody's still listening and, and they haven't abandoned ship and, and stopped judging me by the time the last segment of this podcast is over with. Coke with coffee. We blended Coke with rich coffee for one very good reason. Your afternoon pick-me-up routine needed it simple as that coke with coffee and we are back with the final chapter of this episode of michael illacraver presents thank you wherever you're listening uh, i know they've just raised the premium subscription on spotify the 1099 someone brought up they said hey your podcast isn't behind a paywall and i said would you pay for this <laughs> But I I don't look at it in as as something that uh, I suppose someone else it's it's up to them to change my mind as Stephen Crowder says um, you know to, to talk me into being behind their paywall whether whether if if uh, there were a service who came to me and said hey we'd like to yeah I'd, I'd have a discussion why not. But um, I think it's important, you know, to, to be transparent with people to know who you're getting into bed with, so to speak. And that was one of the things that I wanted to, to kind of look. I've had a lot of thoughts in the last several weeks, especially since I have so much time uh, listening to piano music. I, I turn on the Manchester Orchestra. Uh, probably their station as much as anything. Oasis is always a go-to. I just, I just love, you know, and they, and they play all the, the ones that... Some of those I heard for the first time in concert, like Listen Up and whatever. Those are things I heard from Noel Gallagher playing Oasis songs in concert and, and had not gone through extensively like listening to all the old Oasis albums. Uh, there are certain things in that are in my... They are in my... They're encoded in my DNA. You hear Live Forever starts up. I'm going to have a good rest of my whatever hour, whatever I'm doing... You and I are going to live forever. I, I'm telling you, man. I, I I heard that song for the first time 30 years ago. Um, 93, you know. And I just, man. Uh, 93, 94, whatever it was. I, I, I'm telling you. Like, I'm there. It ain't no secret. I have told many people, if, you, if you're looking for the song, you're looking for what to play at my funeral, don't look back in anger. 
if you don't play anything else, that's that's been the Oasis closing song and Old Gallagher's closing song. It is it is a different kind of anthem. It's taken on a life of its own after some different tragedies and things in the world, but it's always been one of my very favorite things. And it's got such an interesting story because I, I you know, he was humming through trying to figure out how to put words to the music, and he's just, you know, he's just. essentially trying to find a rhyme and somebody asked him are you saying sally can wait and he's like there we'll use that you should look these stories up don't take my word for it but he, he literally said that someone had just rec- recommended that line almost indirectly saying is that what you're saying and he made that part of the song he doesn't know who sally is didn't know why she's waiting or anything it's just part of the lyrics and and i've, I've always appreciated that you know it's it's just a different take on things. I've always I relate to that more than anything. And when I saw that from Noel Gallagher, I just you know it, it, it solidified my fandom or or support for him or you know whatever my ties, uh, cosmic or otherwise, are to, to the music he does and, and his philosophy. You know, are intertwined in that way, not in every way, but in that way. You know. I'm not always, you know, those are sentimental things. They're very, people, they bring people together and they're very joyous and so forth. A lot of the Oasis songs are like that. Whether it's Champagne Soup, you put on Champagne Supernova, I I can lay down and melt into the pavement and be happy. You'd be cutting my feet off and I'd listen to that song and I wouldn't feel a thing. It's just, it's its own time and space. I, I know where I was sitting on the trampoline. When it came on 107.5 KZL back in the day for the first time, I heard that song on my boombox across the backyard to the trampoline, laying there with that cool mat against the sun going down, and just thought to myself, whoa, whoa! Cold chills thinking about it, right? You might think I'm a nice guy saying some of this stuff. He's got a real heart on his sleeve, and he's... I am now, and and I, you know, for the most part, don't have tendencies to try to do things negatively to hurt people. If I said to you that there were evenings that I used to have, you know, to not be alone, I might try to see who would like to get together, have a date, hang out, whatever. And there might be somebody that hung out with me for an hour and a half. Somebody else came behind them 30 minutes later. They stayed a while. Somebody else came after that. Those are absolutely true stories. A lot of things that people try to drown or, I don't know, they try to take and, um, and they got a spoon and trying to scoop the water out of the boat before it sinks kind of thing. They don't want to be lonely. They don't want to be sad or otherwise and they look to to things to be their vices whether it's intimacy whether it's promiscuity whether it's alcohol cigarettes people choose pharmaceutical things some people choose destruction and violence and some people are going to choose video games there's a lot of options out there i didn't go through all of them but i think that uh it's kind of like choosing 
in a way, and it's it's not. But in under the under the flag, flying the flag of love, to you know to to spend your evening entertaining some other person who enjoys your company, even for just a little while, and then they go on their way. And you, for that little bit, you, you weren't alone. Maybe you gave them some memory that will, they'll carry on with them forever. You were the best lover they ever had. Okay, well, what does that mean today? It means there's no longevity to that. It was just a, you know, that was a great roller coaster ride. Then it goes in the photo album, the mental, you know, backlog of how, whatever they've experienced in their life. And. I just, it's not something you can use as a, to re-enter later. No, there are vain people out there who have not been escaping vanity. And so they're, they're still prone to vanity. <laughs> and they're going to, you know, just welcome you back in because they're like, oh my goodness. Well, it was always fun with you. you know, and people have names for those things. They call them one night stands or friends with benefits or you know, I got a friend that I call, you know, whatever their description is. It's it's ill-advised and it's reckless. And I've been reckless a, a great number of times in my life. Especially in those ways. Oh, this person was oh oh you oh you think you're mm. well we've been talking tough it's time to get together and see whose body gives out first oh hey look I won just like I said now I gotta go drive home and and feel awful about myself because I shouldn't have been here to begin with. There's a lot of things um, about my life, about different facets of my life, about working too many hours or whatever it might be. Um, it, it, it doesn't confine itself to, to intimacy or otherwise, but there's a, a tremendous amount of these applications of like emotionless uh, adventures that I have been part of. I uh I I find a lot of uh, of of inspiration and and I get ready to say soulless but I find a lot of uh emotional uh, the the kind of um lightning and you just you know I'll, I'll start a song up and I'm like woo I love that it brings me a memory of something an event in history something with a movie with wrestling with whatever uh, sometimes I just love the music, and I'm like, bam! That takes me where I want to be. That's the soundtrack of my life. I remember that whatever that moment was. But there's so many things with, like, human beings where I'm like, oh, yeah, that was, mm, that's and that's too bad because that was a special moment for somebody else and didn't mean anything to me. I feel this social responsibility often if I was to have any, like when I've had a dating profile and people will say hello, I'll say hello back 
to to breed this culture of engagement so that whoever they're I'm sorry whomever they're going to to match up with and want to engage with will eventually they'll they'll have enough practice to jump in with that person. I there's so many people that I just just swipe 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 and then people will say hey and you know I didn't Let's be real. I did, there's however many hundreds of people who've matched up with me over the course of a, a few weeks or one week or whatever on different platforms. And, and when I have had those experiences, um, I try to say hello to as many people as possible, even a personal voice message, because um, that's what I do. It's just what I, it's my preference is. It's, it's the same length of time as voice to texting. You just hold down the microphone. There's no difference. I never got a voice message before. Well, I, I don't know who else voice to text you, but they're an idiot for not holding down the microphone and just sending a voice message. Unless maybe they think their voice will disqualify them. Or otherwise, maybe maybe their voice isn't like mine and it can't just melt your clothes right off your butt. You know, <laughs> I don't care. I don't. Can I be an extremely charming guy? Yes. Have I had people? Yeah. It's the eyes. Michael, it's the eyes. Yeah, I'm a happy guy. I like I'm, I'm genuinely extremely happy. I can dress very well. I can do this. I can do that. Otherwise, I, I try to be a, a very eccentric and very amazing human being. I try to exceed everyone's expectations in every setting, in every room of the house, on every location professionally, so that the kitchen is clean, the food is good, the sheets are a mess, and you understand and appreciate why you need that third or fourth or fifth shower of the day. It's the reason why when I get done working and I go volunteer, I just put some eye drops in and just keep right on going. I don't know why. The smarter thing to do would be come home and sleep and take care of my health. My circadian rhythm or whatever goes on with my heart and my sleeping patterns is, is a lot like um, um, it's like an earthquake. I mean, it's unpredictable. It's like, oh, and then they're asleep and then it goes away. And then they're asleep and then it goes away. And it's quite unpredictable when it's going to happen. I'll get exhausted enough to fall asleep. And if I dedicate myself to going in there and like laying down right now, I won't wake up for 10 hours. 10 hours. crazy like that but I have these tendencies to not take care of myself because I'm trying to find the thing a lot of the times that makes me happy people tell me all kinds of things and, and, and then I look at it and I go hmm. and we disagree we like fundamentally disagree somebody told me they said uh, check it out I bought some bikes bought some e-bikes you bought some e-bikes are they? They're online bikes. You ride it. It's like a digital bike. You ride it at the. Uh, is this like the um, rowing machine, the simulation kind of thing, where you go and you you're on a peloton and you and it's electronic and that's the thing. That was what it, that's what it would mean to me. And they go, no, no, no. It's an electronic bicycle, so that you you ride part of the time and then you're not part of the time. And I just I said that's a hybrid. For a car, a hybrid means that you are. It's it's part gasoline and part electric. For a bicycle, it would be part gasoline and part electric and part foot power. It would be a hybrid. 
which I I mean I guess the true happened. You'd have to play with this language and to figure out what the I might be misspeaking, but I guess maybe a hybrid in in terms of a bike would be half gas and half electric. But if it's not totally electric and it's partially foot powered, then it's not an electric bike. Then it's only an, you know it's, it has an electric. It, 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 you understand what I'm saying? An email is not partially real letterhead. It's completely electronic. Same thing for books or otherwise, right? There's no there's no partial hardback or anything. They're they're all digital books. If it's an e-bike, to me, the connotation e means electronic, but it also has a connotation of meaning that it's digital, right? Everything with an i is is supposed to mean that it's associated with Apple products or with with uh, Macintosh. So that's what i means: iPhone, iPod, iPad, otherwise. E. I I think it has to be a thousand percent like online electronic bike for that to be true. And anybody who's playing with that language is not getting it right. I have a battery powered bike. Okay, great. But you don't say I have an e lawnmower. Whenever we we sell lawnmowers everywhere across this country now that are not all gasoline powered, I assume some might plug into the wall. That seems kind of like the 1980s. But there's a, a lot of stuff out there that's battery powered. And I'm sure this is prevalent in, in other countries that are more industrious and green than we are, that they sell any number of things that are all battery-powered. They're, they're electronic for all intents and purposes. They're not powered by gasoline or a combustion engine whatsoever. Is that an e-mower? Never heard that, have you? Because it ain't. You're not mowing electronic grass across an electronic medium. The whole purpose of email is that it's sent electronically. The bike is, right, it's, it's not. It's battery-powered. It's an e-car. No, it's not. It might be an electronic car, but e, the, the connotation or the combination of that single small, because that's what it's supposed to be, e-mail, e-book, you know, that's what, the terminology means when you put it together and anything that you're doing to play off of that and try to turn it into something else is manipulating the language and I'm, I'm not for manipulation i'd rather not speak to someone than speak to someone who's unclear or dishonest or getting it wrong it convolutes my train of thought i, I can't like accept this alternate reality that people live in and you know, you're not inclusive. I am if you are, you know, part of reality. I I include people who operate in reality. So I guess I'm not inclusive, I'm exclusive. Only the folks who are <laughs> who are getting it right are allowed in my world. Well, not everybody gets it right all the time. That's absolutely true. I don't get it right all the time. But if you know when the last time you were wrong was... Yeah, like so many times I've been wrong, being previously promiscuous and otherwise. You're so good at what you do. That's because I've had too much practice. It's because I've gotten into too many verbal confrontations, and that's why I can just slay people with my words. I really like the way you sound on the podcast. It's because I've had a hell of a lot of practice talking. 
I've done too many voice messages and voice texts and recorded it with a video or in podcasts. You know, there's been some necessity for my voice to sound something that I would be willing to put up with. And so I have flavored it or toned it in such a way that I'm willing to, it's all right, and because I like it, I guess, I, I'm just going by that. The things that I think are funny, I'll say, and if other people laugh at them, great, but I'm the one who's got to be there for every single joke. So I'm going to tell things from my sense of humor, not yours. Same thing with my voice. I, I say things in a tone that I'm I'm okay with, because when I used to talk like this all the time, I just wasn't getting that done. Surprise, surprise, surprise. And Gomer Powell would show right up. And he was looking for his cousin. It's you, Savior. <laughs> Get out of here, Gomer. Like, I, I just, you know, I do things in a way that I think is going to be the most proficient for me. And when I exclude people, I say, have a nice day. See you later. Adios, muchacho. You know. I was I was thinking of these these you know the, the funny the funniest story I know is is the J Man story the oh that's so funny you know he literally was sitting on the bottom of a metal set of bunk beds jumped up you know clanged his head on the top one he was we were playing Halo and I I got to drop on him I had been playing stupid for the longest time I've told this story before if you haven't heard it great if you heard it I hope you laugh the second time um. I'm a fool on purpose when I'm playing with my kids. They're they're gonna win for the most part, right? So so he's been getting the drop on me. He's doing this, and I'll I'll fall into his trap, and he would you know get the better of me on Halo. So I decided I'd I would you know now I'm gonna get one back on him. He's got like nine in a row. I'm gonna get him one time. And I got him, and he's like oh, and he jumps up in the air and clang hits his head on the you know he's on the bottom of the bunk bed, and he's like, oh oh and he's scratching his head, and he's he's cool. But I see him, and I was like, you all right, J-Man? He says, yeah, I just hit my head. I said, I saw that. It looked like it hurt. And he's like, mm-hmm. And I said, that's why they say no more monkeys jumping on the bed. You remember, like, five little monkeys jumping on the bed? One jumped off, and he hurt his head. Now there's four little monkeys jumping on the bed. Now, that's all I remembered of, of the, the, the classic tune or whatever. And so... We're playing, he's hit his head, and I'm like, man, I hope he feels better, right? And uh, we're playing, and, it, and like 30 or 40 minutes passes, and we're doing some other stuff. And I, I see him kind of, he's he's got this cadence to what he's doing. He's rocking his head, he's he's playing the video game, but he is, he got some kind of music happening inside of him. And it's coming, he's getting ready to come out, like, and he does. And he's, I said, what are you, are you... Are you singing? He says, mm-hmm. And I said, what song are you singing? He says, five little monkeys jumping on the bed. One jumped off and he bumped his head. Mama called the doctor and the doctor said, no more monkeys jumping on the I was like, what? 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 I, didn't, I didn't have all these lyrics. He knew the whole song and he's doing voices. What the? Why is the doctor talking like that? My, my oldest son called to sit on the other side as he's watching him. Five little monkeys jumping on the bed. One jumped off and bumped his head. 
Mama called the doctor and the doctor. And like, Cole's looking at me like, what? What? We're both, we're like, our chins go up in the air like, whoa, what's going on? Our hair's standing up. We've been struck by lightning, right? And John, Jonathan gets a kick out of it. He's a natural showman. He's got some of his, his genetics might lean one way or the other on this. And he, he, he sang the whole song like that. Poor little monkey is Mama called the doctor. And I was like, what? He was talking like the the evil, uh, is it Dr. Claw and Inspector Gadget? Go, go, Gadget. You know what I'm like? Oh, I was cracking up. I don't know where he got the voice. He apparently knew the whole song. He told me his mom sang it to him. And I was like, oh, that makes more sense. She's a great lady. So that's my favorite story. I don't have a better story. I There's, there's nothing else that makes me laugh more than that story does. It's it's the things with my kids and sitting around the table. Have I have I had my share of yes, yes, my my number, my my body count, my what's your what's your number, what you're doing? It's it's higher than you can imagine. And it's more than anybody I ever met. And I don't care about it. And and, and at this point, because I've had all all the testing and everything else done there is, I'm I'm you know, I've been out of that life for a long time and I'm and I'm quite lucky to have a, a very good set of instincts and lucky circumstances and I, and I always had a clean bill of health but my I had something recently a couple of weeks back we were sitting around eating ice cream in the afternoon and Jonathan's sitting across the table from me Colt's sitting at the head of the table and so my boys are eating ice cream with me and we're sitting there and I can't remember. John is, John is doing something, but he's he's talking while he's eating. And I'm like, Jonathan, your, your ice cream's melting. And he's like, oh, but the story. Of, and he's telling me about Roblox or Minecraft. He's telling me about one of his games. And I love to hear his stories. And I'm like, Jonathan, your ice cream's melting. You're not eating your ice cream. And he's, so he's, he kind of puts his head down and he starts eating a few bites. And he starts telling the story again. And he does this a couple of times. And I said, Jonathan, you need to eat faster so your ice cream doesn't melt. And and I'll listen to the, I'm going to sit here all day. I'll listen to your stories till the sun goes down. And he, he starts talking. He starts talking. And I said, hold on. You're talking. But you didn't keep eating. It's all melting. I said, Jonathan, I'm tired of telling you. Your day of reckoning has come. <laughs> Colt, Colt grabs his chest. He's like, What? And I said, you heard me. His day of reckoning has come. And Colt's like, he's like, Jonathan, you better run for it. And we're, we're still sitting at the table. But we love the the kind of um, engagement, the method acting, the changes in voices, the, the outrageously, you know, just <laughs> medieval things that we say to each other. And I just, I love that stuff. It's, it's like... Um, you know, it's like Beavis and Butthead or Bill and Dad or some kind of Wayans Brothers. Uh, I don't know if you know about Abrams and then but the guys who did the Naked Gun and Hot Shots and so forth. It's like these, these comedies come to life. We're we're just engaging with each other. And I see it all the time. I go every Thursday morning, I go to breakfast with my father and his uncles. I don't care if I worked all night. This week I had worked all night. I didn't sleep very much before that shift. I had worked 12 hours and something. Slept about an hour and then went to breakfast with them and had the best time and had the reddest eyes. And uh, and then went and volunteered afterwards. And I didn't, I didn't go back to sleep for, you know, that was yesterday. That was, you know, so that's why I've only slept like six hours in the last three days. 
But I have the best time listening to, to people, older people, and stories, and people who throw their voices and change this, and they've got diverse personalities, and they do all this wild stuff. I just love it. I'm, I'm, I'm constantly enthralled by that. Am I flattered when people are like, yeah, I know, I live like two and a half, three hours away, but it would be great to four hours, five hours. But for the right guy, listen, I own my home. I've got land that I'm going to build on. I have this, this wonderful set of circumstances that have come to fruition, or as One Republic sings the song, Truth to Power, Melissa Etheridge has a wonderful song at the end of the first Al Gore movie, An Inconvenient Truth, from 2007, where he's talking about you know, everything with climate change, and her song is called I Need to Wake Up, and, and I love those, those tunes. Uh, matter of fact, I might put one of those on the end of this uh, podcast. If I don't use Smooth Operator by Sade, which is what I had chosen during the last break, but I I quite fancy the the, the Renaissance or, or being aware of like the reckless decisions that we have made, and I know that Al Gore always uses the quote from Winston Churchill um, about how we could have been reckless before, but um, we have you know reached a, a time where we can't be like that anymore, and the quote goes. The era of procrastination, of half-measures, of soothing and baffling expedients, of delays, is coming to its close. In its place, we are entering a period of consequences. It's a very rough thing to think about, that we've been able to be reckless up to this point, and we can't anymore, and people are still like that about consumption, and it's hotter than ever, and air quality! My shoes were melting into the pavement. Right. So maybe you should stop buying stuff and over-consuming and doing this and that and the other. And that's why I try to, you know, get used stuff as, as much as I can. But I really wish people would use what they have until they can't use it no more, until it deteriorates or disintegrates or otherwise. And then you don't have to worry about it being in a landfill. You know. I mean, in a way, I feel like that's kind of what I was doing with my body fucking 10 years ago or whatever and going, hey, you know, I'm single and you're single. So, you know. But it's like people who use their car and they go run around and DoorDash with it and it depreciates their car the same way I was depreciating my, my body or my soul. And then you find that later in the life of that car, you have maybe children or social responsibilities, family, obligations, whatever. And you use that car for very um, important and necessary and, you know, basically uh, life-changing kind of things. Whether it's to get to a job, take somebody to cancer treatments, whatever it might be that you're doing to try and, and utilize the resources that you have. And I always had the resources of being a compassionate person and writing romantic correspondences or being the world's greatest lover or whatever, you know. But I've reached a point where I I feel quite disengaged on all those fronts, to be quite frank. I enjoy my writing. I enjoy... doing these podcasts from time to time. Um, 
donating to good, you know to good causes and and being part of of on-site volunteer work where I you know donate my labor more than anything. I love those things, and it's difficult for me to be um, ungrateful or to have some kind of hang my head down in shame or something because I've made bad decisions in the past. I mean, I, I've I think I've become a very valuable contributor to every walk of life that I'm part of now, and part of that is because I know what the wrong decisions are. It's that trial by fire kind of experimentation, the science that I used to have where, you know, the answer was always no until it was yes. You know, and the scientists, they always, they got, they got it wrong until they got it right. And I feel like, you know, I reached that point with most things in my life, except on the romantic front or otherwise. You know, I just kind of looked at it and said, here, I'm... I run my household, you know, almost everything's on auto pay. I think my credit's like an 804 or something. I don't, you know, I don't, what, I don't have anything left to prove to anybody. And if something made a whole lot of sense and it wasn't a whole lot of work and I didn't have so many different professional things, I might entertain it. But there's something about my genetic makeup that is almost, I don't know a, a more fitting term than to say it's almost, you know, it's got the tendency of, of falling under sociopathic behavior or, or something of that nature. Something that would be, whatever a description would be, that is, It's. I'm aware of why people feel the things that they feel, but I'm not sympathetic for the most part for the decisions people make that lead to different decisions. I feel like you ought to know those were some of the possible outcomes. I I was very aware of that after the first time that you know something happened where i was like oh yeah oh, oh i'm not gonna see that girl again oh my god you know so why is that story one that repeats over and over and over again a couple of hundred times um well Because I treat people with this innocent hope that I'm wrong. There's so many times in my life I've wanted to be wrong. Where I've wanted a relationship or, or a chance that I took or otherwise to work. Where I thought if I went and asked somebody for help or to engage with me in a situation that, that they would surprise me. That regardless of what my instincts told me. That I thought, you know what? You got to give it a chance. If you don't ask, you don't know what the answer is. You know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take and all that stuff. Well, for the most part, and I mean like real high numbers in, in terms of percentages, my instincts have been correct. I don't like that. I just don't like it. 
and but it is not something I can change, and so I don't know what to say about it otherwise. I'm just I'm disappointed um, in in so many of those things, and so statistically, when I look at it, I'm like, hey, you could. Yeah, I could engage with somebody and talk to somebody and this and the other. I don't tell people that we can't have a conversation. You know, there's people I've had very serious conversations with, or you know, uh, done some soul searching about. But I also am extremely. I'm aware of the circumstances and the, and the possible outcomes, and you know so many different. If you just look at the divorce rate, it's extremely high. The, the success rate of relationships is abysmal or extremely low percentage, whatever you want to call it. Use use a description that is accurate to the number of people who attempt it and fail. So, you know, I. I have no, at some point it'll come out like where I'm just going to go, you know what? I'm I'm just going to disengage completely. And it'll just happen. There's too many things between where I volunteer, my inner peace, things that I like to, to enjoy from an entertainer's perspective, family, uh, opportunities to do different things and, and time missed and stuff like that where I'm just like, you know what? I... My children are happy and healthy, and it, that's what matters. And you look at me and say, well, what about a partner for you? And it, I, The risk versus reward is what I'm going to bring and put in front of you. And I don't have a good... There's, I don't know what you're going to put on that side of the scale. And I'm I'm fairly creative, and I've I've been you know part of this journey for for 41 years. I don't know what you're gonna put on that side of the scale. That's why I'm willing to have conversations and let people uh, have their day in the sun. But because I've got these unfashionable. Uh, pieces of my personality to correct the mutations in language or to address like if, if someone is I'll, I'll give you a great example there was someone who um, uh, it, it's been a while but I was going to have were we going to have dinner or something but the person was coming from out of town was going to see me and said uh, hey I've had this uh, event happen in traffic so I'm going to exchange insurance, cops are going to do this, and then then I'll be on my way. All right, all right. Now, this was uh, mid-afternoon. I don't remember specific times, but it was mid-afternoon. So, I mean, we're talking 4 to 5 p.m., something like that, maybe. And the sun goes down, it's 7, it's 8, it's 9, it's whatever, and I've sent a message or two in between, hey, just wanted to check on you, make sure that you're alive, and, you know, if anything I can do, help, whatever. Never heard anything back till like, 1 in the morning. 
hey, uh, you know, I just I got nervous about you know what happened, and I got a ride home, and I crashed, and this and that and the other. I said, you didn't, you had plans, and told me here's where you're coming. You didn't think to follow up. Well, I mean, I figured this was more important, and my health, and this and that, and I said, it's a. How hard is it to send a couple of words in a message? This is like less than 10 seconds in a voice-to-text message. That is, I think what you're saying is, yeah, I can only attribute that to some sort of weakness. I can't look at it any other way. It's just I'm just not built that way where it's like, well, the person was weak. They, did, they didn't follow through. Like this like not calling out of work. It's like not. It's, it's a no-call, no-show. You get fired for that. Which is essentially what I said to the person who said, Oh, well, I'm sorry that your needs weren't needs. It's accountability. These are your needs. It's your integrity, not mine. This is not a good game to play with me. That the old it's rubber and it's glue and it sticks to you and bounces off me and I live it. And it's one of the problems that I've had trying to clearly like understand or be compassionate or whatever with folks is to go, uh, yeah, that's irresponsible. Yeah, I don't I don't have any other way to look at it. That's irresponsible. That's no call, no show. You didn't show up, you didn't call, you didn't text, didn't say anything about changing plans, nothing. Hey, I'm on the side of the road in whatever trafficked area and I'm waiting on the cops to come. And then you disappear for nine hours, ten hours, whatever it was. Hmm, gee, I wonder what's going through the other person's head. Oh, well, uh, maybe Jesus came by and picked him up and took him to heaven, and she's living on a cloud. (laughs) What are the possible wonderful things that I can be thinking about your radio silence? Nothing. Nothing. It's implausible. It doesn't even make any sense. The fundamentals of what I've said I would base any relationship or situation off of. Integrity, respect, honesty, plausibility. Well, I'm sorry. It's uh, me taking care of my health and I'm putting myself first. Yeah, that's what going home is or having somebody look after you or calling a ride or otherwise. Being accountable and having integrity is following up with the person that you made a commitment to. And then sending them some kind of communication. Have the other person send it for you. I don't give a damn who it comes from. Update somebody. I don't... (laughs) You know. Well, I had some suspicions that you were... That I was what? That I hold people accountable? That's that's right. I don't give people a free pass. I'm not going to allow you to act like a fool. And then try to weasel your way out of saying especially if you're gonna play that game where you're like well uh sorry i didn't put you first uh what it would not have sacrificed your health to say you're not giving something up it's a simple communication hey i'm sick i'm not coming into work tonight I want you to imagine that somebody did that and then came the next day, whatever, and finally you spoke to them and they said, well, I would have called that at work, but I was laying down, you know, I was just feeling good. No, nah, this is a no-call, no-show. I mean, we all know this. We're responsible adults. We hold jobs and otherwise. Part of the gig. 
These are fundamental skills that you should have. Oh, I guess uh, I'm not going to... I wish you the best. I am the best. I wish you luck. I am luck. Uh, Michael Craver. Period. I want you to be someone who can be accountable and respectable and who resolves issues. They don't leave people hanging. It's a shame. I don't have any wonderful way to wrap up this episode. I thought about reading this piece that I have called at the, at the current time. It's called Apprehensive Atmosphere. Uh, but I've not quite finished it and I'd like to get my hair cut and it's now 7pm so I'm going to run over to spend a tremendous amount of money at this wonderful like it's a world class salon not terribly far from it's called Great Clips it's not far from me and and, uh, and they're cool with me and I'm cool with them so we're going to take care of business um, I hope that you guys have a wonderful weekend I will be putting some time in I've got an interesting week scheduled in front of me I think I'm scheduled for <laughs> like four days and 52 hours or something it's going to be quite an adventure but um, I do. I, I hope that, you know, if you're out there on the other side of my voice, maybe you'll feel better about yourself. You're like, well, my number ain't that high. You know, my, Michael's much more of an idiot than I am. He's put his body in all kinds of situations I have, whether it's professional wrestling, whether it's being promiscuous, whatever it was. And, uh, and I'm glad to have called many of those behaviors um, retired so many years ago. But I don't mind telling you, like, hey, don't do this. I'm speaking from experience. Don't do it. What are the, what are the bragging rights that I can possibly have? Well, you don't know what I did to old Brittany and Letitia and da, 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 da. who cares? Who are you gonna tell that story to? Your buddies? They don't care. And they might not believe you. Well, I mean, is that worth anything? It's like you know, if you're doing it for the for what? A sense of uh, temporary like validation so that you're here and you're around somebody accomplishing something that you know you wouldn't have been if you're sitting home. <sighs> that's loneliness right there. I don't care who you're with. I don't care what the bed sheets look like. That's loneliness. You might need a shower. You might have been. You might have spent your whole evening with somebody. They might have had the time of their life. But you've never been so empty when it's over with. And I don't mean in a good way. I mean, right, right. This is the 21 grams that they say leaves your body, right? Your soul. You get that. Don't do that stuff. Ain't no way to buy it back. I'm going to play Melissa Etheridge to play us out today because I need to get so much sleep. So on the other side of all the rest I'm going to get, I need to wake up. But I hope that you guys all have a wonderful weekend. I appreciate you spending such a long time listening to me today. And uh, now you can judge me for all these uh, wonderful things. You can tell me to get lost. Uh, You can tell me, hey, I've been there too. I hope not. Uh, Or you can tell me like, uh, hey, fist bump. The future is bright, brother. Have a wonderful weekend. I'll catch you on the next episode of Michael L. Craver Presents. 
I've been so still, afraid of crumbling. Have I been careless, dismissing all the distant rumblings? Take me where I am supposed to be to comprehend the things that I can't see. 'Cause I need to move. I need to wake up. I need to change. I need to shake up. I need to speak out. Something's got to break up. I've been asleep, and I need to wake up now. And as a child. Like it was 1999. My dreams were wild. The promise of this new world would be mine. Now I am throwing off the carelessness of youth to listen to an inconvenient truth.
the snow.